two weeks ago, I began uh, a shir where I began to talk about the stages of the gula, if you recall. But since it's two weeks ago, I think I really just have to recap in a short way uh, the ideas of two weeks ago, you know. <clears throat> and I mentioned that <clears throat> I started off with the concept that from the Pasuk in the uh, Torah, God says that even if your outcasts be at the ends of heaven, from there I will gather you, and from there I will take you. And those are two very important terms. The kibbutz, which is the gathering, and the kicho, which is to take the Jews to God. Very important ideas. And they really constitute two of the steps or the stages of the entire messianic process. And therefore, it's very important to take a look at these two terms. And also, you know, what are all the different stages of the Gula itself? And I had mentioned also um, that there are different dimensions of reality. And I mentioned very briefly, there is the reality of God, the Rabboni Shalom himself. And then he created what's called a Zulato, which means an other, the Neshama, and that's an other. And th those two realities are the greatest of all. Then after that, God created what's called the Ruchni reality, the spiritual reality, which basically consists of angels. And the purpose of angels is to allow an intermediary to do things because God, the Rabbani Shalom, does not want to do them directly because it would involve, therefore, in, in him, in a certain sense, having to do things where he does not want to be in any way detected, you see. So he created an entire realm of agents, you see, emissaries, and they do his will. And that is the concept of Ruchni, <clears throat> of the spiritual realm. And that's what these Malachim do. They are agents that carry out the will of God. But they are of a completely different nature than we. Now, besides that dimension, which is the third dimension, I mentioned that there's a fourth dimension called Geshem, which is materiality. You see, the physical world. And that's a fourth reality, which God created, okay? And in that reality, God created physical things, the whole universe and all the species and so on. But one of the things that he made, which is very unusual, is he took the, the Nishama, the Zulato reality, and he combined it with the physical. Therefore, what happens is you have a physical reality combined with the Nishama, and that's what a man is. You see, he has a divine soul, Nishama, and he has a physical body. Now, the purpose of the physical is basically to serve as a barrier for that individual to realize that he is not, that the real reality is not physical, but it is spiritual, you see. And that's his situation, so he can be tested. Will he recognize that the physical world really is not the real reality, ultimately, at all, you see. But it's really just a reality that serves to cloak or conceal 
the real reality of the spiritual. <clears throat> and that is man's task, to see through the illusion of a physical reality. And this is the way it was supposed to be. And that's what man's task was. And therefore, Adam Arishon, basically, his task was to see through that reality, you see. But what Adam did, instead of seeing that the reality is the reality of the spiritual dimension, he failed. He and his wife, Chavo, failed to understand the whole concept of a spiritual reality, you see. And therefore, what he did is he sinned. And of course, he ate from the tree of uh, knowing good and evil. He sinned. And therefore, he introduced a fifth reality, and that is the reality of the Satan, or as, uh, also known as the Sitra Akro, which means other side. And that is the reality, as I said, of the Satan. And Adam is shown, even though the reality of the Sitra Akro, which is a Satan, was created at the beginning in potential, but not as an actuality. And it would take a sin of Adam to actualize the world of Satan and his involvement in the physical world. Therefore, Adam Rishon changed the nature, really, the nature of the physical task that man has. Until now, the task of man was to draw down the tremendous divine flow, the Kiddusha, that divine energy, to turn it, bring it down, and as a result, physical reality would now retransform into a higher reality. Because initially, that's how things were created. God created the world of Zulato, which is the world of the Nishamot, and that is Olam Habo, the future world. And then what he did is he lowered the energy of that system, which is the future world, which Kabbalistically is called primordial man, he lowered that and it became a physical reality, you see. And the highest of the realities, other than Oilem Habo, is called Atzilut. Below that is Bria. Below the Atzilut is uh, the reality near God. That's why it's called Atzilut, or the world of emanation. You have the world of Bria, which is the world of creation. And then you have the world of Yitzirah, which is formation. And then, of course, you have Asiya, which is the world of action. So God really did, what he did is he created those realities, you see. And the purpose of Adam, really, initially, was to bring down those forces, tremendous forces, uh, divine energies, of the things called the Ten Sfirot, divine energies, and retransform the physical world back into the spiritual, and ultimately even that, back into the future world, you see. This is what Adam was supposed to do. Instead, he made it much worse, because he sinned, right? Therefore, he gave a place, some type of existential state, to the Satan, you see. And the Satan really is connected to the physical world. So therefore, Adam, in a certain sense, became tremendously physical, tremendously physical. And as a result of that, he is now governed 
not just by a physical reality, but also by a satanic reality. That is the world of the Sitra Ahro. So, therefore, as a result of that, basically, man has, man's job is not now to retransform a physical world into a spiritual and so on until you get to the future world. Man now has to deal with the reality that he created. And therefore, he must annihilate, you see, or eradicate the world of the Satan. Then what he must do is he therefore has to retransform the physical world, which is then left over after the annihilation, termination of the Satan and his world. Then he has to change the physical world into a spiritual. So Adam Harishan or Adam Harishon, what he did is that he created a new task, which before that had never been. Now this task, therefore, becomes the major task of us, of mankind, especially the Jewish people. And that is to remove the Zoyamor, to allow us, therefore, to take Geshem and turn that into spirituality. Now that is ultimately what does happen. The world of the Mashiach, the Messianic age, really is an age, ultimately, where there is no more Satan, there is no more Sitra Akhra, there is no more uh, other side, you see, and there is no more what's called Zoyama, which is that energy that the Satan can give out and controls everything. This is annihilated. It's removed. And the only reality then in the time of the Mashiach, and Mashiach, I mean specifically, Mashiach ben David, the Davidic Messiah, that reality is a reality of pure Geshem. And there is not even a trace of the Satan. And then from there, once the Messianic era is over, which happens in the year 2240, which is the Hebrew year 6000, then the divine energies come down and they begin to change the physical universe into the higher spiritual worlds. The physical universe changes into Yitzhira, which changes into Bria, it's going backwards, into Atsilus, and then ultimately into Ilum Habo. This is basically the game plan. However, because of Adam Harishon's sin, as I said, uh, he created a new reality. And that reality is the world of the Zayama, the energy that the Satan projects. And therefore, in order to get rid of that, you have to contend with the Satan. That's how you get rid of that. Now, I also had mentioned something very important, and that is that what energizes the Satan? Well, what energizes him and his world is the same thing that energizes mankind, specifically the Jewish people. When a Jew does a mitzvah, there descends a tremendous divine energy, you see. And uh, the, the, it goes to the Jew, and after a while, if all the Jews do all the mitzvot, that all that divine energy, right, comes down to him. And he becomes a tremendous person. Lives long, doesn't get sick, always has a panosa, 
Everything is great. However, if the Jew sins, then what happens? Is that divine energy, instead of going to him, it goes to the Satan. This is what happens. The Satan is energized, and therefore he now has what's called dominion, shlita, over the Jew, mankind. And all kinds of terrible things result because of this, you see. So the job of the Jew is really to take back whatever energy the Satan has as a result of the sins of the Jews, you see, to take it back into the side of holiness. And then that will mean that the Satan is now emptied of all the Kitusha. In Kabbalah, it's called the sparks of holiness, right? And he will be emptied of that. And he, of course, will be, he will collapse. The Zoyama will disintegrate. And he, of course, will be annihilated. And therefore, all the energy now in its right place will now retransform creation, as I said, to retrogress the creation all the way back to the future world, which was the first thing created. This is the task of man. Now, the only way he can do it, however, like I said, he has to be able to take back the energy that the Satan has as a result of the sins of the Jewish people. This is the way it works. Uh, therefore, we, <clears throat> um, we are involved in that task. Now, from that, we can begin to recognize that there are really seven different stages, which I had mentioned. And these are very important stage, stages, you see. <clears throat> so we know what the overall idea is. But these stages really, in many ways, are specifically dealing with the Satan. Because once you annihilate the Satan, that is the Messianic era, you see. Now, what are the seven stages? So, as we will see, the first stage is, in many ways, that the Jews have to consolidate their spirituality, make sure they have it, and to strengthen themselves, what is called the future test. Remember, the emphasis is to drain all the Kiddushah from the Satan, and then to bring down the rest to try to change the world. So the first stage is what's called the consolidation. And they strengthen themselves in Ruchnius, in spirituality. <clears throat> then what happens is they need, to, they need to enter, you see, they need to enter an environment that has tremendous amount of temptations to sin. And they have to remain non-assimilated, Giram, <clears throat> you see. And if they remain not assimilated, means they don't fall into the trap of sinning in that civilization, then they are able to take out all the energy, the divine energy that the Satan has. So we could look at that as stage number two, you see. <clears throat> now, what happens, however, if they begin to assimilate, if they begin to fall, then they go to what's called a third stage. And that stage is where, well, if you don't remember, remain Gerim, which means, uh, an, uh, you know, not a uh, part of that civilization, and you begin to sin, you see, 
then two things will happen. So that's stage three. So the first part of that stage is that you will begin to, they will dominate you. You see, you will be under their shlita, under their domination, which of course is the beginning of galut, goros. So as a result of that, they will dominate you, and that will cause you a tremendous amount of anguish. And that suffering itself will begin to take away a great deal of energy from the satan. Now what happens, however, if you cannot withstand their domination, and you begin to sin, then you will suffer much worse. Not only will they dominate you, but they will also persecute you, you see, and perhaps even kill you really make it terribly bad. And that where Golis becomes very, very dark. Again, all of it, however, remember, is whether it be that you remain, you know, you don't assimilate and you remain righteous. That's the key, right? Then that, however, what happens if you begin to assimilate, then the domination and the suffering will also withdraw a tremendous amount of Kiddushah from the hands of the Satan, you see. <clears throat> and as a result of all of that, which is the real understanding of Golos, you will have emptied the, uh, you know, the coffers of the Satan, of all the divine energy, and then he will be annihilated. Stage four is after this work, right, which is the stage of uh, you being dominated and suffering in a from an evil civilization begins what's called the kibbutz. Kibbutz means to gather. So what happens is is that people are separated. The Jews will be separated from the nation that they are in, and they will be gathered together. You see, and the chief way of doing that really is that the Jews will be elevated in terms of the Torah in terms of the divine word of the Rabbanu Shalom himself. But that's a fourth stage of Gula, and that proceeds after the Galut, that they will slowly begun, begin to be separated from the nations of the world, and they will be gathered, you see. A fifth stage is where they have to be elevated. Not only do they have to be gathered, separated and gathered together, which is the beginning of the redemption, they have to be removed and they have to now make their way back to holiness. That's the kicho. So those two ideas where God says, I will gather you, right? That really is the fourth stage of redemption. And then when it says, yikochecho, that God will take you, that is the fifth stage, right? Where you will now begin to come closer to God and that is a stage of tremendous infusion of holiness. Then you have stage number six, which is a stage where you now become very, very close to the Shekhinah, which is the divine presence, you see. And then number seven is that once that happens, you we are looking at Gula, the redemption. Okay, there you have it. You have seven stages. Now, we see this. Now, remember, the key concept to keep in mind is that this avoider, 
you see, of these stages really is the phases that are involved in the destruction of the Satan. To remove the Zoyamo and to restore the original task, which was the original task of Adam Rishon, and that is to change physicality into spirituality, you see. And therefore, that is the uh, order of things. <clears throat> so we see from these stages that the main concept in many ways is the battle between the Jew and the Satan. And then the second stage, right, can begin. Now where do we see this? Because that's the part of the secret meaning of the conversation that the Rabbanu Shalom God had with Avraham Avinu. You see, what God told of Avraham Avinu in Breshit, uh, in the Perak uh, 15, which is the Brisbane Amsorum, the covenant between the pieces, he made an agreement, a covenant, with Avraham Avinu, you see. And he told Avraham Avinu uh, that your children, uh, they will now uh, take over what's called the Tikkun of the Bria, the rectification of creation. Remember, the first stage of rectification is to destroy the Satan. And then after you destroy the Satan, then the second stage of uh, rectification, of course, is to begin to change the world from a, from a physical world to a spiritual, you see. In fact, that's what's stated in, in the two statements. Sumira, turn away from evil, right? It means you must detach evil from yourself. And then, I say tov, do good. Those are the two stages, which is part of the entire tikkun process. And that's what God told Avraham Avinu, you see. He told Avraham Avinu, you see, that uh, and they will be they will be gerim, they will not be part of the nation, even though they'll be in the midst of the nation, in a land that they don't know, you see. And that is what I said is the second stage, where they will be thrust into a nation they don't know, which at that time happened to be Egypt, right? But their job is to remain independent of Egypt, the culture of Egypt, the sinfulness of Egypt. What happens if they don't? Then avodim, va'avodim, then the Jews will serve these masters. And that's the domination. And what happens if they continue to sin? Then ve'inu aysam, then this nation that they are in, instead of, you know, remaining righteous, they will have sinned. So therefore, that nation, besides dominating them, will also begin to persecute them. So what the Ramon Shalom has done, actually, is outlined for us what, he, what the journey is of the Jewish people in terms of the goal of destroying the Satan. It's a very important uh, uh, concept in Ashkofer that the Pesach itself, the discussion that God had with Avraham Avinu, reveals the journey that the Jews or the stages <clears throat> that the Jews have to go through. Now, all of these things, of course, like I mentioned, happen in Egypt. Okay? <clears throat> the first stage is where they have to consolidate and strengthen themselves in spirituality, Ruchnius. 
That was when the Jewish people became a Jewish people after the Brisbane Absurd. Right? You had Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Right? They were not in exile. You had them. Then you have Yaakov, of course, with the 10 shvat, the 12 shvat, right? So they were not part of Egypt in the beginning. So they can consolidate their energy and all the ruchnias to prepare for the real task, which is to enter Egypt, which is what they did. Now in Egypt it says, right? They were supposed to remain righteous, notwithstanding all the enormous temptations of the Satan. That's what they were supposed to do, you see. But they didn't. So they entered what is called the third stage. So the fact that they were supposed to be righteous, that's the second stage. All three destroyed the Satan. But they didn't do that. So therefore, they went into the third stage, right? But what we know is that the Egyptians now began to dominate them and also inflict on them tremendous amount of suffering for Inu Isam. That especially happened, the suffering, when Miriam was born. In fact, that's why Miriam was called Miriam, from the word mar, bitter. So for the last, you know, whatever it was, uh, 80-something years, right, uh, the Jews suffered terribly at the hands of the Egyptians. Now all of that, remember, is for the purpose of taking out all the holiness, the Satan from the Satan, all the sparks of holiness that he uses to energize himself. And all of that, you see, was to take out those sparks of holiness, divine energy, from the Satan. You see, and that's exactly what happened. Then, once they finished that job, and that job is the main job, right? Stage two and stage three, you could begin what's called the kibbutz. And that's where Moshe Rabbeinu came, like I said, and began to gather them, separate them from the Egyptians. And, of course, he gathered them. You see, that's the kibbutz. And the main way the kibbutz happens, you should know, is the concept of Torah. Now, even though the Torah was not given then, but every makkah, really, was Torah. Because every makkah, besides punishing the Egyptians, had tremendous revelations. And the hasaga, the revelations of God, is the Torah. But it was in the form of the makot. Ten makot, ten sfirot, which the Jews had a tremendous understanding of, you see. So that was the what's called the kibbutz, through the Torah, in the form of the makot. Now, once that happened, then you have what's called the kicho, right? And those are the 49 days of the Sfira, which we are involved in. You see, the Sfira is really the kicho, which is stage number five. When they went from being in the Memtashari Tumah, the 49 levels of contamination, impurity, and they went up 49 days, they were able to remove the Memtashari Tumah, the 49 levels of defilement from 49 days and then they stood at Har Sinai, right? Um, to receive the Torah. So that is the equivalent of the Kicho. And we are in these days of Svira, right? Yes. Now, <clears throat> this of course was a tremendous Aliyah in Kiddushah. A tremendous ascent 
in holiness. And that's really what the Kichot is, where God says, you know, even if they be at the ends of heaven, I will gather them, right? And I will take them to me, which is the ascent in Kedusha to get close to God. Then you have stage number six, which is the reintegration or the connection, right, between the divine presence and the Jewish people. That is called the Shekhinah. So the Jews actually unite with God in that embrace. And that, of course, is messianic. Because from then on, what you have is the Mashiach, then David, you see, because Mashiach ben Yosef is going to be involved in stage four, the kibbutz, stage five, the kicho, you see. But stage six, which is the dvekus, where the Jewish people get together with God, that is stage six, and that is really the stage of Mashiach ben David. And then, of course, you will have seven, which, of course, is the ultimate redemption, and then uh, that includes, of course, what's called zikuch, haguf, the purification of the physical universe, and that begins the entire uh, removal of Oilam Hazeh, you see. So that's it. And that's exactly what happened in Egypt, those stages, you see. Uh, so we now understand <clears throat> what the days of Sphira really is. Stage number five, right? And the days of Sphira is when the Jews now get closer and closer to God himself. Now, when you think about that, that's called the first phase. It was an entire attempt to do what? For the Jews to usher in the Messianic era. However, it went what's called awry. Something happened. And that is, of course, two things. The Chet Egel, the sin of the golden calf, and the Meraglim, the spies, you see. And that destroyed the ability of the Jews to destroy the Sultan. So even though they had taken out all the energy of the Sultan, and the Gemara says that when they stood at Hasinai, that the Zoyama of the Nochosh, of the snake, right, was Nifsiko, was interrupted. It stopped, you see. And therefore, the last thing that they had to do was to destroy the Sultan. Had they not done the Chet Ego, what would have happened? Then the Satan would have died because they would have extracted all the sparks of holiness. Very important idea. And that's what they did. You see, they took it out. However, because they did the Chet Ego, it was restored, a great deal of it, not all of it, but a great deal of it was restored to the Satan, you see, so that was the first attempt of the Jews to destroy the Satan and to initiate the whole concept of the Messianic Age. And now Moshe Rabbeinu, he was supposed to be the Mashiach ben Yosef because he's the one that does this, you see. So that was the first phase or the first attempt to destroy the Satan and move on with the rest of the Messianic process. Almost happened. So what the Revolution has to do is start all over again. Because they now restored a great deal of the Zoyama into the Satan. So, believe it or not, you have 
all these stages coming up again, which I will now identify. And that really is an understanding of the whole Jewish history, these seven stages. Let's take a look at stage one. What is stage one? Well, that's where the, the Jewish people, again, have to strengthen themselves, right? Strengthen themselves, consolidate all the spirituality. And that was done in the days of Yoshua, right? Yoshua. Then you had Shoftim, all the judges in Israel. You had Shmuel Novi, you had Dovra Melech, and you had Shlomo Melech. You see, the Jews were in their own land, consolidating their Ruchmias, and strengthening themselves for an entry, you see, into another civilization. So this is the first stage, the consolidation, as I said, for the Jews to strengthen themselves in Ruchmias, in spirituality, in Eretz Israel. However, what is important is there was a change. Yeruvim ben Nevot, who split Israel, you had, of course, the whole the, uh, concept of Yehuda, right? And you had the concept of Yisrael. And they split. After Shlomo Melech, there was a king, his son, Rechavam, you see, and the people of Israel rebelled against him because he was very excessively strict. He raised their taxes and so on. And finally, Yerobim ben Avad, who was an incredible person initially, he led a rebellion against Rechavim, the son of Shlomo, and he split the kingdom. That's what happened. Now, what is interesting is that Yerobim ben Avad almost became the Mashiach ben Yosef. The Ramchal says that Yerobim ben Avad was the closest person to ever get Yechido, that aspect of the Neshama of the Mashiach. That's how great he was, Yerob ben Avot. We have no understanding of this man's greatness initially, you see. But what happened is obviously gaiva, arrogance, haughtiness overtook him. And he wanted to be, of course, the main guy. So what happened was, is he split the kingdom between Yisrael and Yehuda, and he went away, and he constructed idols, and he turned away the Jewish people from the Torah itself, which is a terrible thing, obviously, because if he is so close to being Mashiach ben Yosef, what you're really seeing is the Mashiach ben Yosef himself being contaminated right, with tremendous amount of sin. So what happens is now, is the Jews are in Eretz Israel in their own country, right, and they are now subjected to a civilization which is their own, which is Yerobim ben Nevat, who's really part of the Arab Rab, even though he's the closest person ever to become Mashiach ben Yosef, you see. So even though he contaminated what's called the whole Mashiachus, and for that, it was really terrible later on. What he provided the Jews is that they have to remain righteous, you see. So therefore, that was a second stage of redemption, you see. However, the Jews sinned tremendously to the extent, right, 
that um, the kingdom of Israel ultimately was destroyed. And this time, they entered a, a stage where they would be persecuted, but not by the Jews. That was the Chorban, right? You had the destruction of the temple by the Babylonians, the Vuchadnezza. So that began the tremendous domination of the nation of, of Babylon, which was the greatest nation then. So the Jews now began to go into what is called stage three, you see, stage three, which is a tremendous domination. But they continued to sin. This was the problem, you see. And then eventually after that, you had Ahasuerus and Haman. So it went from a foreign nation, originally was Babylon, which dominated the Jews. It went to a nation which now wanted to kill the Jews. And that was Haman and Ahasuerus. And that is the suffering. Could you imagine the suffering that they had for a whole period of time, a year, with the threat that the Persians would kill the Jews? You see? So that we're looking at is a stage three. But the Jews are now in a foreign nation being tremendous suffering under that foreign nation because we know they assimilated in the sense that they joined Ahasuerus at the meal that he made. And the Chazal tell us that this was the trigger for the entire uh, uh, destruction that Haman wanted to do, you see. Therefore, they suffered greatly, and they did tshuva, all of them. Like it says, you know, Kimu Kiblu, that Ampurim, they accepted with love that which they accepted before, which is Torah Shabbat They re-accepted it. They did the incredible tshuva, you see. So therefore, they could be released from that stage of suffering under a nation. And who would, who would start a stage four, which is the kibbutz? That was Ezra. Ezra comes right after Haman. In fact, Cyrus, who is the, either the son, I think he's the son of, of Ahasuerus and Esther, he gave them permission to go back. So therefore, they had, again, in many ways, did the tikkun, you see. And as a result of that, they could now enter what's called stage four, which is the kibbutz. And the one who would do that is Ezra. Ezra, and of course, and Nehemiah, are to do the kibbutz, which is what they began to do. You see, we see the same cycle of stages happening a second time. You see. Now, who is Ezra? The Gemara says that Ezra was so great that Ezra was a person that if the Torah wasn't given by Moshe Rabbeinu, it could have been given by Ezra. Ezra was Mashiach ben Yosef, you see, before he became Mashiach. That's how great he was. And he brought the Jews back. That's the kibbutz. And he began to teach them Torah. He began to elevate them, you see. And then, of course, he built, they built the base of Migdash, the second base of Migdash, which, of course, is the beginning of the Kicho, which is stage number five. Isn't that interesting? We see the repeat of these stages. But what was the problem? The problem was that only 70,000 Jews came back with Ezra. It means the overwhelming majority of the Jewish people did not, come, did not come back with Ezra. 
Instead, they stayed basically, you know, in Babylon and so on, Persia, whatever, you see. And they didn't come back with Ezra to Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, that attempt to again bring the Mashiach was foiled because only 70,000 people came with him. And of course, therefore, since they didn't come back with Ezra, right, they would remain in those countries, Persia, whatever, uh, Babylon, whatever, and of course, they would continue sinning. So therefore, the whole thing has to start all over again. It's incredible that they actually reached the stage four, which is the Kish, which is the uh, kibbutz, and the stage five, which is the Kicho. It all had to go back, basically, to the early stages to again try to extract the Satan, you see. <clears throat> now, we continue, because they all had to go back to a stage two, and uh, which uh, stage two, which is the Jews would have to remain righteous, even though they are among the nations of the world. Then, all of a sudden, who appears? Yovan, Greece, Hellenism, right? Which is the whole concept of Greek culture. So that is stage two, where you are now involved in a foreign civilization, and they're trying to influence you to sin, to become a Hellenist, you see, to adapt to Greek culture. And that's what they tried. And of course, ultimately, Montessori Trangodo fought them with his sons and many other people, right, to destroy them, and they restored the Beit HaMikdash. So in a certain sense, they, they were successful in that they restored Judaism, righteousness. But the interesting thing about it that there was an enormous amount of people that were, were misyavnim. These are the people that became Greeks. These are Jews. An enormous amount of Jews adapted Hellenism, Greek culture. That's what happened. Even though that's not really reported as much, but in many ways, enormous amount of Jews adapted the Greek culture. You see, so that would mean that the Satan still holds on to what? The Satan still holds on to his Kiddusha, to all the sparks of holiness. So now we go to stage two, or rather stage three, which is that the Goyim, right, even though there are only Jews there, that there would be tremendous amount of wars, strife, and, and suffering right after the Greeks leave. And this, of course, would be introduced by, like I say, wars and tremendous amount of hardship, and also by Herod, who made tremendous amount of Jews suffer. And finally, it goes from that stage three to stage three B, not A, and that is Rome. Finally, God says, enough is enough. What I have to do is now begin the suffering of the Jewish people, just like they suffered in Egypt, to remove the Kiddushah from the Satan. They now have to suffer in Rome, which of course is Edom, you see. And we have been involved in that for 2,000 years in order to again destroy the Satan. That is what's been happening, you see. So in many ways, we are at the end of stage three, 
which is we have suffered an enormous amount in the Galut, in Golis, you see, in order to destroy the Satan. And what's interesting is that really we are at the end of this stage, that the kibbutz, in a certain sense, has to begin. And the concept of a kibbutz is very important, you see, because it means that before God can bring the Mashiach, or perhaps at the same time, he has to separate the Jews from the Klippa, from the nation called Edom, which is really equivalent to Western civilization. He has to separate them. Therefore, ultimately speaking, something has to happen which will begin to separate the Jews and gather them together. And that has to come to a reawakening consciousness about the Torah. There has to be something that will occur that will bring the Jews back, get them to return again to God and His Torah. And that is where we are at. We are right before that, you see. And that is what we are experiencing. And that's really basically the stage we're at. We are ending stage three, the suffering, and we are right before stage four, which is the kibbutz. And listen, God has promised, swore, that there will come a time when that will happen. And it says in the Midrash, very interestingly, that the miracles that God did in Egypt, which are the ten makot, the ten plagues, is nothing compared to the miracles that God will do to us, for us, you see, when we will enter the whole concept of kibbutz. Now, we don't know what that means, really. We cannot envision something like that. But the Mershom says that to one of the Nevi'im, you see, that the miracles at the end of time will be much greater than the miracles you see at Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim. And that will be the end. We will have the Mashiach ben Yosef, who will begin to initiate the kibbutz, just like Moshe Rabbeinu began to initiate the kibbutz with the makot, you see, he also, the Mashiach ben Yosef, he will initiate the kibbutz. And then he will grow, and the Jewish people will grow in Kiddushah. Finally, what will happen is the Kicho will begin, and that is the Beit HaMikdash HaShlishi, where the Beit HaMikdash, the, the temple, on high in heaven, because we know there's a heavenly temple, when that will descend, yes, that itself will descend and become physical, you see. And the Shekhinah, which is on top of the Kiddush HaKadoshim, the Holy of Holies in heaven, because remember, the Beit HaMikdash in heaven also has the exact counterparts to the Beit HaMikdash, the Mato. So therefore, on the on, on on earth, so therefore, the divine presence, as it is manifest in heaven, of course, will actually descend together with the Beit Hamikdash in heaven, and that will become physicalized, and therefore the Shechina in the heavenly Beit Hamikdash will descend, like I said, with the Beit Hamikdash, and become physicalized. Will descend. Uh, down here, and that will become a Beit HaMikdash, physicalized, 
with the same Shekhinah, divine presence, that exists above. And that is the O Mashiach, you see. Because that Shekhinah, remember, it's a heavenly divine presence, which means it has an unbelievable, uh, it's pronounced prominence, it's unbelievable. That actually will be together with the physical base of Mignesh, which was previously the heavenly base of Mignesh, that will grow and bring the messianic light, which is beyond comprehension what the revelations will be. So that's where we're standing, you see. The only unfortunate thing, which I had mentioned, uh, is that because the Mashiach is coming when the Jews have descended into the 49th level of Egypt, uh, 49th level of Tumor, which is what the Jews had experienced in Egypt, the problem is, is that if that's the case, then justice has to be satisfied. Because we don't really deserve that because we're not at that level. Therefore, they will proceed, just like it did in Egypt, a tremendous period of darkness, you see. And that's really what we're witnessing. The world is falling apart as we watch it. And it's not just the world. The world is falling apart means that civilization is breaking down. Yes, we are watching a breakdown of civilization, of the laws of morality. Nothing makes sense. In, in terms of America and even in Israel. None of this makes sense. And that is the breakdown that we are watching. You see, in order to bring the Jews up to the measure of justice that they have to accomplish, then the kibbutz can begin. So I'm sure that the, uh, you know, the kibbutz will begin shortly and that this darkness that has to bring the Jews to a level where justice is satisfied, you see, hopefully that will be coming now, we'll be ending now this system of uh, to bring the Jews to satisfaction of justice, and the kibbutz will begin very very shortly, and that's basically where we're at you see, so I've covered the entire history of the Jewish people basically and what we see is that there are basically major phases the first phase to destroy the Sultan <clears throat> of course was uh, with Egypt, and that failed. The second phase was, of course, uh, the whole concept of uh, uh, Ezra and so on, and that failed. And we are now in the continuation of the that phase with Ezra, but this one, but the one that's taken over, of course, is is Edom, Rome, America, Western civilization, and we are now experiencing the end of that. And one of the significant things of that, to show that it's ending, is that Trump became president. And in many ways, he is part of a messianic process, which I had mentioned a long time ago, in order to change Edom, where Edom itself does tshuva, America does tshuva. But amazingly, that itself is also disappearing, because we are now in the middle of the darkness, and so on. And hopefully that will end soon, and there will be a kibbutz, and all of this nightmare will terminate. Any questions? Rabbi, how long does it take for the process of going from the physical and switching into the spiritual? 
How long is that whole process? That process, when Mashiach will end his reign in the English year 2240, which is the year 6000, the world begins to change. The What's called zikuch, the purification of a physical reality, begins to change. And it takes 3,000 years because the changes from this world, Asiya, which is at the end of that is the Messianic era, it changes, takes a 1,000 years, and it changes to Yitzira. Then it goes, changes from Yitzira, another 1,000 years, into what's called Bria. Then it takes another 1,000 years to go from Bria to Atsilut, Atsilus. And then the future world will begin in the year 9,001, you see. But it doesn't make a difference. We have to be concerned. That's merely the changes. We have to be concerned mainly with the kibbutz. As far as we're concerned, that's what ends it all. Because that's the entry of Mashiach ben Yosef. The, 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 the time that it takes to go from a physical existence to a, to a you know, the future world, that will take, after the Messianic era, 3,000 years. But it doesn't make a difference. Because, remember, the key concept with the entry of Mashiach ben David is the destruction of evil. You see? Where we will not even remember what evil was. Every characteristic of evil, you know, sickness and death, you know, poverty, uh, what do you call it, uh, you know, just uh, suffering, all the f- mental illness, all of this will be gone because all of these things are the manifestation of the Satan. You see? So it will take time to go from a physical universe to the future world. Now, the future world is even beyond the spiritual. Relative to us, Oilam Habo, the future world, it seems to be spiritual. But Oilam Habo is different than spirituality. Even the Malachim, the angels cannot conceive of what the future world is. Nobody knows. Because it is a reality that nobody has ever experienced at all. So therefore... It takes time, but like I said, the main thing we want to get to is the kibbutz, which is the separation and the gathering of the Jews away from the nations of the world. You see. And you think that's going to happen soon? I believe so. And I believe all of the things that we see the tremendous darkness that we are watching now, the, the, what's called the, the collapse of America and its values. Who would ever have thought that America would be going the way it is, you know, with the, with this, the, uh, the Democratic Party and, the, and the, uh, all the, uh, the people and so on, the president. Who would ever imagine that America is headed to, to be communist and so on and Israel obviously can't put a uh, they cannot put a government together. And there's a tremendous amount of corruption and air of rob in Israel. We are watching the collapse in many ways of civilization. This isn't just the removal of justice. The whole thing makes no sense. You know, who who ever heard of defunding police? 
I mean, only a, only a crazy lunatic could have come up with such an idea, you know, because without police, then crime is rampant. It's over. What are you going to call? You know, you call a social worker to stop the criminal. I mean, these people should have their heads, heads examined. But the main idea is that we are watching uh, the uh, breakdown of civilization, you see. And uh, as such, this is what the Torah, this is what it says in the Gemara. The Gemara has many statements that say that before Mashiach comes, you're going to have the breakdown of civilization. And it gives many different uh, illustrations. Nobody's going to have any money. Nobody will respect any, or any kind of uh, seniority or, or authority or whatever. We're watching it, literally. And this is why, you see, because that is the darkness that has to precede uh, the Messianic era in order to make the Jews... Uh, you know, uh, satisfy justice. So we we really are in this mode, uh, you see, you know, and this type of darkness precedes the Mashiach. It's not part of civilization, really. We've never seen such a breakdown of civilization when all America is concerned with gender. You know, today, you know, you can't say things because it's against gender. It's crazy. And, you know, the whole concept of race also is uh, it's completely irrational because America is not a, no systemic racism. How could you have a president like Obama becoming president if we were systemically racist? You know, obviously, all it, it, all it is, it's a play for control. That's all it is. But uh, without elaborating on that, because everybody knows, we are right before the kibbutz. If we were not... We would never have seen the success of these, uh, you know, the uh, uh, liberals and the Democratic Party. They would never have been successful if the period of darkness had not begun. So we're very close. What's very close to you, Rabbi? Very close to me is like next month. Very close to you is like what, next year? <clears throat> well, you know, it's a good question. I would imagine very close means within the year. Within the Tashin year of Tashin Aleph. What? Within the year of Tashin Pei Aleph. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, it's hard to say, you know. But uh, I would imagine within a year, even if it's Tashin Pei Base. Because how long can civilization like this last? You see. Look, what's the Rabbanisham going to do? He's going to wait... 10 years, 20 years, there won't be any Jews left. We don't realize the Jews are disappearing en masse. In America, you have non-religious of Jews, 70% intermarry with Goyim. 70%. That means out of every 10 Jews, 7 of them are intermarried to a Goy. Well, how long could the Jews last under those circumstances? You see? And not only in Israel... 1.5 million kids are taught in their public school that pluralism, which means there are many forms of Judaism, and they're all okay, whether it be reformed or conservative or whatever. How long could that last? This is the entire youth of Israel. And nobody sits and nobody cares. It's astounding what goes on in that government, you know. Uh, so we're looking in many ways at the end of Israel, in that sense, as a religious country. And we are looking at the, the dissolution of America. 
And with America goes, everybody goes with it, you see. So you think about it. How long can this world last? So what's the Rabbi going to do? Wait another 20 years when there's hardly any Jews left? Is that what he wants? Not likely. So I believe we are watching the end. You see. Any questions? Okay, that's great. How do we, how do we, what do you, what can we do to prepare ourselves for Shavuot, Rabbi? What, so can you repeat that or question? To, what, what do you recommend for Shavuot, being that it's next week, um, that we should do, that we should, you know, focus on? I would say, focus on, yeah, that's good. I would say since Shavuot is when we receive the Torah, and what receiving the Torah is not just a document. It is that the Jews said, Naseh Venishma. That's the key. Naseh means we will do, Venishma, and then we will understand. That's called a commitment. That's really what happened at Matan Torah the Jews committed themselves that they would observe the Torah, whether it be the written Torah, the oral law, and so on. That's the key of Torah. So Shavuot, just say to yourself, Nasa Just like the Jews did by in and Purim. Nasa By Kimu Kiblu. you see? So I would say, if you can do that, you will have achieved an enormous greatness where you will have rededicated yourself, redevoted yourself, and reaccepted God's kingdom on earth. And that basically is the Torah. And then, of course, you could learn Torah. That would be great. But the key is to accept the Torah itself. Nasavanishma, you see. Okay. Yeah, that's the major idea of Shavuot. You see. Well, listen, I've uh, spelled out what is the entire process of Tikkun. <clears throat> you see? And I gave you the stages of Tikkun. And, you know, I've tried to, you know, uh, clarify the different stages and then parallel them to the stages of Egypt and the stages after Egypt, Right? Uh, you know, through all the different, uh, what do you call it, the governments and countries that the Jews have gone into. And basically, within that scenario, you know, where are we? And uh, that's what I wanted to do, which is very important. You have a tremendous view of the whole Tikkun process. You see, very important idea to connect all the dots. So I have a question, Rabbi. Yes. So we learned with you that um, now Yishmael is doing Teshuvah, and that's why Dubai and all those countries did peace treaties with Israel. But how do we explain what's going on in in the Holy Land with them burning the Har Habayit? You mean the Arabs? Yeah. Well, part of the interesting idea is that Biden is destroying what's called the Abraham Accords. The, the reason why the Arabs are doing this, not only because the Ramadan is ending, but more importantly, 
because the PLO, the Arabs now see that America is now siding with the enemies of Israel, Iran, and he's also siding with the PLO. And they see that. That's why they probably think that they can get away with it, that America is going to tell Israel to restrain itself. That's probably why they did it, <clears throat> because they've never, they've never sent missiles or rockets to Jerusalem. Obviously, they see they can get away with it. <clears throat> Why? Because America is now siding with them, you see. And that, unfortunately, may change the whole concept of Abraham Accords. Because they now, like Saudi Arabia, is now trying to co cozy up to Iran. Because they realize that America is behind Iran, you see. So, and before that, it was Trump which held Israel in the highest esteem. So everybody wanted to be part of Israel. That was an incentive. But now that they see Biden, on the contrary, is, against, not the, is concerned not with Israel. He's really against it in many ways, you see. And on the contrary, he's trying to make a deal with Iran at all costs, which is insane. So the Arabs are losing interest in many ways of joining with Israel. Therefore, Biden... The Democratic Party, the liberals, you see, what they are doing, the progressives, they are the darkness. They are satanic. And these, this is what has to happen before Mashiach comes. That's what, that's what you're really witnessing, you see. Rabbi, there, um, as we're speaking, there... Uh uh, they're burning Batiknesio and uh, places. They're, they're burning. Uh, they're burning what? They're burning what? Batiknesio synagogues and uh, uh, places of learning of Torah in Israel, in Lod and in a few several other places in Israel. Who is burning? The Arabs? Yeah. You mean they're setting fire to the Knesset? Yeah. Yeah. No, not the Knesset. The synagogue. Ah, uh -huh. yeah. Sure. Really? That's astounding. Astounding. Yeah, that's the desperate attempt to make sure that the um, Israel will not succeed. This is what you're watching is the strategy of the Satan. Because he knows once the kibbutz starts... He's finished. It's over for him. So he is trying his best to re-agitate Edoim, Esau, against the Jewish people, you see. And that's the problem, which I once gave a whole shit about. The concept that, you know, part of when, when justice is, has to be satisfied, what that also means is justice, I should say evil, has to dominate. Because he's saying, hey, take a look. What are the Jews doing? They don't learn. They don't do mitzvot. All they're trying to do is copy the goyim, assimilate. You know. You know why should you protect them? You know. So justice demands justice, and that's what's happening. You see, you are watching in a certain sense, although it's not exactly that. You are watching the war of goyig against the Jewish people, because that is the end of the satan. You see, and you're watching all these political forces to destroy America, 
to destroy morality, you know, to destroy the whole concept of a normal civilization, cancel culture. You're watching a tremendous, what's called mahapecha, overthrow of civilization. And in Israel, it's the same thing, you see. They want to undo that which Trump did. You know, Jerusalem uh, is a capital, the Golan, you see. And not only that, Israel has made terrible mistakes. They should have they should have annexed the territories. That was more important. Netanyahu made a terrible mistake. He's a fool, I have to say this. Because he did not take advantage of the fact that Trump loves Israel. He should have done all of this when Trump was president. Because Trump would have backed him all the way. Instead, what does he do? He, he uh, folds, right, to people that said, well... You know, let's do the UAE, you know, the United Arab Emirates and so on. Yeah, that's nice. But what's much more important is to annex the, the, the territories that they become part of Israel. You see? And now forget about it. Biden will never allow that. Nobody's going to allow that. So he wasted the opportunity of Trump president loving the Jewish people. An incredible, foolish move. That's what he did. And the Jews are now suffering, you see, because he's gone, and now nobody's going to allow them to, to you know, annex the territories. And even the Arabs, you never know. They may pull out altogether, because what do they care now about Israel? America, anyway, is behind Iran. What they have to do is try to make friends with Iran, which is exactly what Saudi Arabia is trying to do, to remove the threat of Iran against itself, you see? Look, these are people that make terrible mistakes. The problem is that we look at these politicians as if they're larger than life, as if they know what they're talking about. Many of them, not all of them, many of them are absolute morons. Yeah, that's what they are. And they make terrible mistakes because they don't think in terms of what is good for the Jewish people. You know, with a lot of these people, it's all about glory. You see, power recognition, honor, you see. But if they would think what's good for the Jewish people, then a lot of mistakes would have been avoided, you see. And now Israel is suffering. Because, of course, there's another president who's incredibly, you know, I mean, this, this man is, uh, you can't believe the vicious, the evil of this man. That's, that's assuming he knows what he's doing altogether. And that's a big question mark, because he's really senile. But he wants to go down in glory as being the, the greatest progressive president. That's what he's all about. He couldn't care less that he's destroying America by, by printing money as if there was no tomorrow, right? He's destroying the American economy. Yeah, of course. It may be rising now because he's just injected in everybody's pocket four, five, six, seven thousand dollars $7,000. Of course it's going to go up, you know. But at what cost? He is printing dollar bills without any kind of reserve. It's unbelievable. That means America is going to go into unbelievable debt, and he's endangering the entire currency, because America, the dollar, is the reserve currency of the entire world. He's endangering that, because if you print too much money, then the dollar is worthless. Of course, nobody's thinking about that. So he's endangering the entire United States, and with that, he's endangering the entire world. 
besides allowing Iran, we wanted the, the most evil country on the planet, to again, you know, become a nuclear force, even though he says he's not, right? He's desperately wanted them to join, to join with uh, America. And uh, as a result of that, Israel is in a very difficult position, you see. And uh, listen, it's terrible what's happening. Like I say, this darkness, this breakdown of civilization must precede the coming of the Mashiach. As far as we're concerned, is the kibbutz. That's what we're waiting for. You see? Look, all of this is unusual. The fact that the Arabs have taken the chutzpah to bomb Jerusalem, which is unheard of, is because of Biden. Yeah. He's, he's uh, energized them. He's empowered them because they realize he is on their side. See? He also See, sent them millions of dollars in aid. Of course. What is Whereas that? Like 200, Trump. 240, Trump. $240 million, which you should know is illegal because there's a thing called the Taylor Act that as long as they sponsor people to kill Jews, it is illegal to give money to them. He doesn't care. Did anybody mention this in the Congress, that you're not allowed to do this? That it's a crime? You're violating American law? Of course not. I mean, you cannot believe. I just see one thing, you know, which is, we have no concept. Someday, God will say, enough is enough, Right? and all of a sudden bring the entire world into judgment. They have no concept of what will happen to them when they stand in front of God being judged for the evil that they've done to Jews, to the entire world, that they've made the entire world immoral. It's all about their own power and glory. Look, God doesn't forget anything. Every iota of evil that they've done will come back to them to haunt them and to punish them severely. You know, in a certain sense, I feel sorry for all of them, you know, and especially what they've done to the Jewish people. And they know what the Torah says, who the Jews are. I mean, how many times does it say in the Torah, you know, that God loves the Jews and that, you know, they will inherit the land. Or does it say that like that 500 times and so on? And they, they don't care. They do not fear God. They don't fear retribution. But I'm telling you, they have no concept when God finally gets on the seat of justice and begins to look at the world in terms of what they deserve, you will see an utter, terrible uh, destruction of these nations and the people involved. That's what I can say. You know, they're playing around God. They have no idea who they're dealing with. <clears throat> you know, I always use, uh, I use an example which I heard many years ago. You know, <clears throat> imagine you work for, you know, you're a, a wild game hunter, you know, and you capture wild animals for a zoo. And, of course, they pay you very handsomely, right? So what do you do? <clears throat> you go to uh, India where there are tigers, you know, and you go and look around and so on, and then all of a sudden you're walking and you see a bunch of little cubs, little tigers, you know, and you start to take them, put them in your pouch, 
or whatever, you see? And the tigers are screaming and yelling because they realize that they're, they're being kidnapped from their mother and so on, you know? But you don't care. What do you care? You want to sell them for a rich profit, right? And then you put them all in the bag, like let's say all four or five of them, right? And then you turn around and you begin to retrace your steps, you know, back to your car. And all of a sudden, you take a look and you see that there's a pair of eyes looking at you. Who's that? The mother tiger. And she's about 15 feet away from you. And you've got her cubs in your bag, stealing them. And they're screaming in the bag, right? And she looks at you with her eyes and begins to growl. And you realize that you're about to become her dinner. That's the story with the Goyim. When finally, you know, they want to mess around with the Jews, okay, taking a chance. We are the cubs of God. We are the children of God. God says that in his Torah, that he loves us. He's our father. We are his cubs. And what did the Goyim do for us? They butchered the Jews for thousands of years. And we cannot even begin to understand the horror of what they have done to the Jewish people. In all manner, not just killing, bankruptcies, and destroying the reputation and the businesses and so on. I'm not even going into the, the Holocaust and the, and the uh, you know, the expulsions, <clears throat> the inquisitions, the crusades, uh, and so on. I'm not even going into the, the obvious forms of torture and so on, right? Okay, that's what they do. They are destroying the cubs of God, right? Because they think nothing's going to happen to them, right? Then all of a sudden, the day of judgment arrives, and God is revealed throughout the entire creation. And could you imagine what those goyim are going to do? They will be horrified because and mortified because they know what's about to happen. Because God doesn't need witnesses. His memory is total, you see. And they know what they've done. They know what they've done, you see. And they realize the gig's up, you know. That's the tiger looking at the guy who stole her cubs. What do you think is going to happen to them, you know? Well, what they're probably going to do is run to the Jews and beg them to forgive them for what they butchered them for 2,000s of years, more than that, 4,000 years. Ever since Avraham Avinu was thrown into Kibshon Oesh, right? They've been trying to destroy Jews, you know? And they realize that. Could you imagine what in that instant of time when they realize that God is and that the Jewish people are his children and the Father is about to come and exact the comma revenge? Right? Imagine what they're going to think. Well, that's what's going to happen. Crazy. What was that? It's cr- it's going to be crazy. Crazy is an understatement. You are going to see fear. You are going to see fear that you have never witnessed in your entire life. And it's not fear of one person. Where everybody who has said anything against the Jews 
forget about harming them or doing things which are evil and causing them to be killed or whatever. You have no idea what kind of fear is going to exist among the nations of the world. Believe me, you have no idea. Just think about the cubs and the tiger. It's a good example. What is this guy thinking when that tiger is looking at him 15 feet away and is growling and the tiger sees that you've just stolen his cub? Right? That's called dinner. Rabbi, at what stage does that fear kick in? Who? Goyim? Yes. As soon as the Mashiach ben Yosef reveals himself. Because that's so it. So this could be very soon. That's in the kibbutz, yes. right? That's in the kibbutz? Yes. Yeah. In some way, he, believe, he will be involved in the kibbutz process. Just like Moshe Abeno. The process was really through him. The homakas came through Mashiach ben Yosef. Same idea. This whole kibbutz, where the Jews are separated and gathered, right, and then elevated and taught, uh, and so on, uh, that's when uh, it, it begins. And at that point in time, it will dawn on them what is happening, and that this is the truth, that there is a God, and there is a Messiah, and it is the Jews that he came to redeem. And they are all going to sit back and will look in horror, like I say, at what they know is about to happen. So, Rabbi, on Shavuot with the Sefirah, what happens on Shavuot with the Sefirah? Like, what's happening at that time? So that we, I, I'm just curious what's happening then. Well, what happens at then is that the, the Nitzotse Kedusha, the sparks of holiness, are all taken out of the Satan and given to the Jews, which means to given to the side of holiness. And that energizes Sefirot, all ten of them, and they now emit, generate that incredible kedusha, of which we cannot even imagine, that begins to change the world. And that, by the way, is the makot, the goyim. That's what the same thing happened by Egypt, where the sefirot, they destroyed Egypt in a physical counterpart called the makot. Same thing. They won't be the exact same thing, like Dam and Tzvadeh and so on, but they will, whatever they are, they will be the manifestations of the ten Svirot, which are now completely restored to Kedusha. And that will destroy whoever it is meant to destroy. And that's on Shavuot, that's what happened. All of the energy went to the, uh, to the, uh, the side of holiness and so on, you see. So does that <clears throat> happen result- every Shavuot? Yes, what happens every Shavuot is the potentiality of that happening happens. So is that why the needs, we're instructed to, to study all night? Is that why um, we're instructed to study all night to, to gain yes, that? Yes, because if we stay all night, if we if we if we uh, stay up all night and learn, then what we are doing is preparing for that eventuality, which we hope will happen. This Shavuot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see. 
So, so even even if Pesach already passed, um, and Shavuot even if what passed? Passover. Pesach. Already oh yeah. Passed, okay. Yeah. And Shavuot is here, like because the 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 the, the ten feet of Shavuot when the Bnei Yisrael got the Torah, um, it has all that emanation, but. Us now, in in fast forward in our time, we didn't get what happened in on Passover. So, could we still gain what's from Shavuot? Yes, sure, we can still gain because Pesach continues until Shavuot. You see, in fact, the manifestation in Shavuot of the ten Sfirot energized, restored, is what is the Ten Commandments. That's really what they are. The Aserata Debrot. That's what they are. Those are the those are the ten Sfirot now uh now um clothed in the commandments. You see? That's really what it is. And you can actually make a parallel, you see? Um I mean, you, if you want you can see, just take one of them where the first commandment is Anoichemalokecho. I am the Lord your God that took you out of Egypt. That is the parallel of Keter, crown. See, I am the Lord your God who took you out of Egypt. That's, I am the king. That's Keter. So that commandment, right, really is a manifestation of Keter. You see, so the Ten Commandments are really the Ten Sfirot, right, metamorphosized, into commandments. So you have the Asura uh, Mamarot, the world was created with ten statements. That was, of course, the uh, ten Makot, and that really is the ten commandments. That is the parallel. You see? So the, okay. the Pekita so could technically happen on Shavuot because it's a continuation of Passover. Yes, it could, yes. In fact, it is the culmination of Pesach. 